When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other uh, and colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing. <laughs> Works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page... We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Are we ready to start? Quiet. One, mm. two, three. Good evening mm. and welcome to the first ever live edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with Alfred. Hello, hello, hello. I'm here with Matt. Hi, Pete. And we're here with a very strange man. Maybe he's not so strange. Mm. Maybe it's Curtis from the New York City Supporters Club. Is that right? Shh. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you, um, thank you. Just uh, to let people, the uh, regular listeners of the show, this year we're going to broaden it out. We feel like we've uh, we found a bit of a flow last year, but maybe it was getting a bit stale with just three of us. So um, we're uh, leaning on real people in the studio. We're going to bring people in. <laughs> As opposed to these fakes. Yeah, yes. we're going to bring people in on the phone. 
Uh, we're going to do some Facebook Live because everybody wants to see us live in real time so they can make comments. Very, very exciting. Uh, and what is even more exciting is that we were planning to talk today about getting absolutely spanked by Chelsea. <laughs> I had prepared all the notes. Yeah, same here. Uh, I, like, I, 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 was, I was really worried. And we drew. Yeah. So magic. But before we get into the show... Um, Curtis, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the size of the New York Supporters Club, like what it's like to be a new, you know, you know how it works. <laughs> um, let's see about myself. Well, I know this fella. We used to work together. Or wait, no, did we never did work together. No, actually. we never we worked, worked in the together. same building. I basically came to New York uh, before I even lived here. And like every good Arsenal fan, my first preoccupation was finding a place to watch the Arsenal game. As you do. Yeah, that's what you do when you travel. You, you, I've been married now for 15 years, and any city, I, I have two things that start where I'm going to base my travels. It's where the Arsenal will play, where we can watch it, either at a pub, and where the record shops are. And then we, we plan everything else around that. You can that. make friends that's through both of those things. Exactly, yeah, that's key. But, Is there um, a place you haven't gone to because there was no place to watch Arsenal? Like maybe, <laughs> um, maybe a while back. Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? I can't really travel this weekend. There's uh, there's no pubs down there. But you know, with, uh, ten years ago, there were like you pop into random cities in America, and there would be nowhere that you could watch a football match. But you wanted to know about me, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm Curtis. You're Curtis. Yeah. Tell us about we started... the, the supporters club. How did yeah. it come about? How many people are part of it? We uh, we started the Arsenal New York City about um, 2007. And Sadia uh, LaGrove came out. Yeah. Mm. We're like frenzies. Yeah. Um, but uh, and it started with myself and and uh, two or three other people that like we were just at a pub that um, back before the NBCs and all that stuff. Um, there was one pub that every single supporter of every club pretty much watched, which was a really fun, weird zone of, of lots of banter. And sometimes after like 12 hours of drinking, sometimes some violence. But uh, um, we, we decided that we needed to organize it into something that wasn't just like three drunk dudes at the end of the bar. And uh, we formed this thing that is now, uh, you know, we've got seven, seven different supporter pubs around New York City. And wow. um, I don't know, the, the social media is pretty ridiculous. Like, you know, like more than big brands follow us on social media, like some like 170,000 people on Facebook are, are probably watching this now. So if you're watching on Arsenal New York City's Facebook page, hello. Uh, but um, hello, hello, hello. yeah, <laughs> and and we've been we've been fortunate to to bring people like uh, well this this guy who was just a visitor ended up moving because he had. Arsenal. Because of the supporters club. I just moved because of the supporters club. Exactly. (laughs) Single, single handedly. But we brought over people like Liam Brady. We brought, you know, we've had, uh, you know, we've done stuff with Thierry twice. We've done. uh, How was Thierry? Friendly. Big drinker? No, unfortunately, it wasn't over drinks. He's, he's good looking in real life as he's well. A, he's a handsome he's fellow. He's very, very handsome. Austin Wenger. Can, can I tell you a quick, a funny story? So, like, there was this time, second time we had Thierry in New York City, right? And um, I, I was the, the MC of the, in front of the supporters. And so Thierry's walking up, and, I'm, and I do this, and I'll, I'll share the picture later, but he comes up, and I just go to hold out my hand. And this is the second time, so he, he recognized me, and I was like, oh, that's so nice. But he goes in, <laughs> he goes in, and he... And he, and he gives me that, like, like boys. Like, Real hug. Dap, like, oh. and Tough I, cuddle. And I didn't want to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> How did he smell good, just to get weird? Yeah. <laughs> Jean, Jean-Paul uh, Gaultier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, so that's enough about me. 
Um, and I do a, a funk and soul radio program called The Face Radio. Boosh. Yeah, that's why that's why he's not j- 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 juddering around yeah. like uh, like we did when we if first started. If this were my <laughs> show, I would be doing that. <laughs> it's also why we're actually on Facebook Live because without him, we wouldn't have been able to figure it out. I don't no, think. complicated, complicated and modern. How many people are looking? Oh, none. <laughs> no, peak live viewers, yep. 11. Oh, you have to oh. hit refresh. Thank you to those 11 viewers. We're um, very grateful. Anyway, uh, let's crack right on with the show. Boom. Um, Arsenal versus Chelsea. When you saw the starting lineup today, what did you think? Alfred, tell us. I mean, Sanchez, you play yourself. I didn't understand that that choice. Again, I thought the whole reason why he didn't play in the last cup was because he uh, wasn't going to be tied up. And, and now when I saw him on the bench, I was just like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, the second thing I thought was just that uh, that attack. That didn't feel very threatening. And it was going to be interesting to see how that pan out. Uh, and I also can't say I was that filled with confidence seeing Chambers uh, in the back. But boy, was I wrong. Yeah. I, when I saw the starting lineup, I was like, that's the most League Cup competition lineup we possibly could have played. And I was like, oh, we're playing a League Cup team. And then I realized that was our best team. Like, oh my God. How but many times have you seen but, him try and do that and prove a point by getting uh, Iwobi in the team after all the, like, the, the bad press that he's got for staying out late and raving? Yeah. Classic Arsene Wenger man motivation skills, <laughs> giving him a pat on the back as he goes out and saying, Prove them all wrong, and uh, just just play your normal game, and it won't be played his normal game. Yeah. Did you think that he should have been banned? Like self, not banned, not dropped. Like, should we? In uh, in that situation, you think we should have dropped him? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But he also needs to be dropped for. Like, I I think he was just given a good reason to drop him. He should have been dropped many many games ago. Have we actually won a game when Iwobi started? Like, he's starting to become like a relevant question. He was not. That, that'd be a good statistic to look into. In that. He wasn't. I, I think that now it's gone from, oh, he's an interesting player. He's like kind of flip. He's kind of Rosicki. So he's the worst player. And now, <laughs> even when he puts a good performance, I don't think he was terrible today. No. I, th- I mean, like that. Like you said the other week, our, our Alfred said in the last episode, um, our, our barrier or, or, or like our benchmark for a good young player is they're not shit. <laughs> and I kind of feel that. Well, you know, you were talking about the lineup and about it being the most League Cup lineup. But it's it's pretty funny is that our lineup against in the FA Cup was it was like League Cup, uh, like relegated from League Cup uh, lineup. Like it was... Uh, uh, today's lineup was much. I felt a little bit more confident going into today's match with the lineup we had than uh, last week. I was like, "Well, I was worried about the likes of." And I, I'm feeling actually quite positive today. I think it's the start of the year, but you, you weren't know. feeling positive when you text me about what you thought today's result was going to be. <laughs> no, I I we, we are the kind of, of fans now who celebrate draws, right? But I think that Maitland Niles was someone who I thought was going to. He was not going to. You don't enjoy typically being a young fullback at an away ground of mm. one of the top teams in Europe, which, mm. you know, Chelsea undoubtedly are. And therefore, I was like, Chelsea are going to target him. It's going to be really painful. They're going to stick Hazard on him whenever possible. Mm. They're trying to get him on one-on-one. And the one thing that I really like about this guy is that he's pretty unflappable. Yeah. You know, he just gets on. He does his job. He's got that sort of non-expression face. You know, like you, yeah. can, sort of, you can sort of do anything to him. And, and he'll just sort of just... 
like I sort of like it. So is that the sort of for too long we've had these types of players who are like very intelligent and cultured. And they're a bit soft in the middle when all yeah. you want is like a John Terry who you could like <laughs> you could like kill his mum in front of him and he'll just keep playing and heading the ball out. And I think Maitland Niles has got a bit of a, a bit like that. He wouldn't be very good in like an algebra exam, but like <laughs> when it comes to like being tough on a football pitch, I think he's he's got the right character. I just need to jump in. You've just possibly compared him to uh, to John Terry. So yeah, we, don't have, we don't have any racists that we know of or cunts on our team. So let's just go ahead and fix that real fast. Let's give uh, Maitland Niles the benefit of the doubt. So, he might kick the fuck out of you, which we hope. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think uh, we, we mentioned that about um, Eddie. He's, again, looks like he believes that he belongs. Mm. And for too many years, we've got players like Senderos who have a bad <laughs> oh, half gosh. and then they can't come out of the changing room because they're crying. Um, so I agree on that point. And also the, the message from Elephant Castle, Reese Nelson. Like, when are we going to get to see him play? Because I feel like he has that air around him that he wants to attack any player in front of him. Mm. And that's the only thing he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, we had him at the weekend. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work out that well. And he was shit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, on that on that topic, um, let's get into the game. We're talking about the defence. The big fear was Nottingham Forest at the weekend Whew. was was atrocious. Um, an eighteen year old ex Stoke reject uh, dominated a World Cup winner, dominated Rob Holding, um, and destroyed us. Yes. Hopes were not high today. An incredible defensive performance to to keep a clean sheet with Xhaka in front of you yeah. and the awful Espina behind <laughs> you is quite something. What 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 changed? It's like the worst sandwich in the world with those being the filling in between those two. Yeah. <laughs> so the so the big change was Mustafi mm-hmm. um, had a bit of a wobble mid season uh, in December, like he wasn't. Uh, but he had that he had that terrible he because he'd actually put in a shift against Spurs where people were comparing him to you know Tony Adams like right. we often do and then <laughs> he started the next game against Manchester United and went off with a, an embarrassment injury uh, and then we didn't see him for a bit. Yeah, I had that. You know, I had that confirmed that it was an embarrassment injury. And <laughs> he was ready to come back the, the next game. But the club were like, no, 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 no. Um, I've had that on like nights out sometimes. When You know, when you peak too early, but you still have it in you. It's so like, maybe I should just leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Alfred... What what do you think was the big change today? Was like are we just reading too much into this? Was it just like an inspired game and a bit of luck, or was Mustafi the difference? Did he lead? Like what was special? I, when you asked for uh, for what people on Twitter thought after the game, uh, someone called Danska White at uh, Danska Music said the thing about Arsenal is that we can only either play defense or attack, never both at the same time. Uh, and I kind of felt like that this game was a little bit of that, where it was like, okay, we're going to defend, and whenever we have those that game plan, we do well. We do really, really well. It's it's just the fact that we can't do both. Curtis, um, I th- I think it it almost kind of seems like typical Arsenal when you think about we have we go into a match that all the expectations are absolutely obliterated, and then I feel like when that happens, we enter into a into a match like this where we somehow or another play with a different sense of confidence. Um, I, I unfortunately only got to see the, see the first half live. Um, and I, I do think that uh, 
I mean, he wasn't amazing, but I do think that Mustafi is, uh, I think he's a good player. And I think that, you know, I mean, I can't really say that. Give him time and, and everything's going to work out. But you've seen, you've seen these, like, these spurts of, of he seems like he's got it and he seems like he does command a bit of that, 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 that space around him where people feel a little bit more put together around him. But then sometimes he just looks like he's absolutely flat. So, but today, I feel like maybe there was a bit more, more confidence. It seemed like, seemed like people were working around him a little bit more. And I don't know. I think that's a really interesting point, though, around because that's sort of like the psychology issue. Because when you back this team into a corner and they're under, and they're and they're written off, and no one has any hope in them, that's then they're capable do, right? yeah. of putting in decent performances. It's as soon, like it's like you. I was thinking back. We actually did a podcast after the Spurs game, and it's embarrassing to say this, but we we posed the question: Could Arsenal win the league? And as soon as we posed that question, <laughs> we went on like a terrible run. And, it's, and it always seems the way that as soon as there's a sense of confidence among supporters, the, cl- the, the players like, get carried away and complacent. Whereas when they're really focused yeah. and they're really thoughtful uh, around what their jobs are in the game and what they have to do, they are capable of doing it. Which makes me think that if we had a manager who was capable of over a season, keeping them motivated, yeah. we still have a capable squad. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I, think that brings a, <clears throat> I think that brings a big question because it, it's not just this team. It's been every, almost every team since, uh, you know what, since the crumble uh, at, after Birmingham City. Yeah. I, I, you know, that year that we looked like we were going on to win the league and yeah. then the Eduardo leg break. You, you'd, get these, you'd get these bits of... Uh, um, you know that that confidence, and then suddenly we'd go straight down, but stay down like a week or two, and suddenly we'd we'd go on to to do great things. And yeah, what is it about that? Is is it the manager? Is it the is it everyone else that's involved in the club? Like, what is it about that that I think Arsene Wenger's perfected the art of elite mediocrity, hasn't he? He's the best at being average out of any manager in the league. Just as you think it's over for him. Like, he can pull his players up just that little bit mm. extra. And I think that, that one of the interesting points you raised about the 2008 team when we crumbled and then it like it all disappeared. 2008 was the point where almost all of the Invincibles had gone. Mm. We'd had the clear out of all the main players. There was nobody from the George Graham era in there. And I, I, I Wenger didn't rejuvenate the experience through the squad. So I always I, I, I wonder how much of Wenger's success was based on the, the George Graham like winning mentality, like the on-pitch discipline. Because since then, Wenger's never been able to like, restore that winning mentality in his sides, maybe because he's too lazy from a, a discipline perspective. Like most, most elite managers, if they're perhaps soft on mm. discipline themselves, they have a, a really strong number two to whip people into shape. But you don't feel that Wenger really empowers anybody to to do that job. Like Jens Lehmann. Have you yeah. ever seen Jens Lehmann <laughs> look so neutered in his whole life? Mm. Well, I, I, sorry, I, I kind of feel like with, with Wenger, and we've discussed this before, that he's always playing the last game. That the game play, plan he has in like the current game that you go into was to fix problem from the last game. It's never to anticipate what problems will actually come from this game. And it always feels like, I wish we did this in the last game. I wish we did this in the last game. Uh, and it, 
it it doesn't seem to work and it's just like this repeat uh, over and over again. The same the same way at a macro level, he play is always playing last season. He always sets up mm. the team to win the last season. So so an interesting point around this game and that point is for all of his sort of we we accuse Wenger of being like tactically naive and all these things. And Conte, we typically go, Oh, he's a manager who he's a really good manager. Mm. But what is it that Arsene Wenger is able to somehow outwit Conte somehow? Well, because they're not beating us and they've got a better group of players than right. us. So how come they can't beat us right now? And I'm saying this and they're probably going to smash us at the end. <laughs> and I'll be looking back on this feeling very stupid. But no, there it's is, a great there, point. there's something strange about why... Because it... Is it Wenger's tactics that's meaning that Conte can't get on top of it? What's even stranger about it is it's not like his first 11 against our first 11. Right. It's, it, he can't be our absolute worst possible right. starting 11. Like the FA Cup final, they yeah. should have beaten us 6 or 7 nil. Yeah. Uh, today, that defence, after what they did at Nottingham Forest at the weekend, even without what happened on the weekend, you would yeah. expect her to lose at least 2-0. Mm-hmm. Wenger's got the hex. Maybe yeah. we deserve it after the Mourinho years. But it, and it, it might just be that, that, mental, uh, that mental block. I mean, it, like, like you said with the Mourinho years, something about Wenger could never beat Mourinho. Yeah. And I think, I think that eventually you just get into that, like anything that you keep trying to do and you can't do it, you don't go back with a different tactic. And I don't think that, it doesn't seem like He's come back with a new tactic on on how to to beat Wenger's side yet. I also wonder with Conte as well. Like he he had so much uh, joy with his uh, innovative formation last year, but he hasn't really changed it up Mm-mm. that much this year. And the Premier League catches up with you quick. Like yeah. you get a lot of one season wonder players, and if they've only got one yeah. trick in the bag, they get found out pretty soon. I wonder. I wouldn't say he's been completely found out. Maybe that's a, a little he, bit aggressive. But, but we were also changing. I think, like, at the beginning of the season, we said, like, we're the new Spurs. I'm starting to feel like we're the new West Brom. Like, they're, I'm, I'm not also not that, like, impressed with how we set up. And we sat deep. Like, you know, you know, it was, at moments it was like watching Stoke without evil players. And, <laughs> like, the fact that we defended so well was, yeah, that's, it's a great point. that We were hard to break down because we sat, we sat relatively deep. And, and we do that against Chelsea because we are we do treat them with respect, more respect than we have ever done before. Mm. That's very true because um, our problem before, uh, like a few years ago, is that we'd go at Chelsea, yeah. they'd pick it off our midfield, yeah. six seconds, they're on the edge of that box, bang. Well, I um, think that's Conte's strategy versus Arsenal, which is to go, which which you would which you would think is the right strategy if you watched Arsenal every week, which is to go, they're gonna make a mistake. So it's like the classic Mourinho, <laughs> yeah. like just wait Play for the them, wait for them to make a mistake, mm-hmm. and then we'll win the game. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, in the last two or three games, uh, we have made we've either not made mistakes, which is extremely unArsenal like, like today and like the FA Cup final, mm. or we've made a ton of mistakes, like the league game last week, and they've just missed the chances. Right. And it feels like, like I mean, even today, like. Um, uh, Ospina came rushing out when he didn't need to, and he, they nearly like scored from like the corner flag. Uh, he flapped it across. He does that. He does that special thing that a professional, like a, as a, a Sunday league goalkeeper myself, a very bad one. 
Um, Are you a keeper? You, I was, yeah, I'm a keeper. <laughs> I was a keeper as well. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. Uh, we'd have a very uneven, unbalanced <laughs> by the side side. I was an um, unused substitute. Yeah, you, uh, if, if, a ball, if a ball comes to the side of you and you can't catch it, you tip it around the post. How many times does he tip the? Does he push the ball right back? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! He, he's uh, he's lost them. Last point on the defense. I don't understand how any manager can feel comfortable putting him in. Like, give Matt Macy a go. Six foot five, yeah. can play the, his feet. He's imposing. Why <laughs> At does this point? This, what's the worst that can yeah, happen? Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So. Um, moving on from that subject, uh, we had a rough time uh, against Chelsea in the league. Eden Hazard definitely cheated um, when he's uh, the under. Come on, no. come on! When the underside of his boot was lightly tapped by Be- um, Bellerin. Um, this week, <laughs> almost the same incident was played out. Mm. Ashley Maitland-Niles brushed in the penalty area. Ashley. Ashley. Oh, sorry, Ainsley. Yeah, no. Ainsley made a I goal. Heard, <laughs> I heard that Ashley that you spoke of was in New York City at some event like a month back. Just saying. Oh, really? I still think as an English person, if I saw him, you'd have to shout something. Fuck you, mug. Or your New York friends. Like, what are you doing? Using that man. Go, go, get, yeah. your, go get your mug. Yeah. Cash the cop. Um... Yeah, so uh, almost the same incident played out. Uh, the referee went to the, the VAR, uh, didn't go for us. Uh, what was the difference um, from you two, uh, Matt and Alfred, because you said that uh, it was a penalty against Chelsea last week. So why did the VAR ref not deem that a touch in the area that took a player down wasn't a penalty today? Tell me. Because he won the ball cleanly. Yeah. And it wasn't from behind. <laughs> he kicked the player over. No, it was brutal. I like how you said that. And it wasn't from behind. I didn't think he won the ball. <laughs> no, he won the, he won the ball. And uh, the Danny Welbeck one? Yeah, they, I don't think they were even, even close. And I'm hoping that we're not <laughs> calling for VAR when it's clearly not a pen. Like, I didn't yeah, think... Yeah, I agree. Because as a, a man who lives in a, in a country that uses VAR, um, what's your opinion Across across a, across a few sports, like where does where does it work and what is it what's it like in MLS? I mean, American football takes nine hours because of yeah. VAR, effectively. You know, I, I think that there's a beauty of the of of the fact that it's not there, but and and obviously, every fan has has dealt with it, an instance that you're like, if you just go back and see that, you would see that it wasn't a penalty or 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 that it was a goal or, or that it wasn't a goal, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's to me, it's still like a slippery slope because. The, the thing that has always made this sport so exciting is that it doesn't stop. And the more time that you have to stop and I don't know, it loses a bit of that for me. Um, but as a modernist, I like technology and I like those types of things. But, um, but it does seem like refs have gotten like more and more shit as the years have gone on. And Did, so the referees association said that VAR would take correct decision making from 96% to 98%. Wow. That doesn't... It doesn't seem like a... It doesn't seem, no. kind of seem worthless. So, um, Matt, uh, as, a, as a guy who loved going home and away, lads, 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 um, <laughs> do you think there is uh, an element of the game that is spoiled by not having shit decisions to talk about on the train <laughs> home? No, because I don't think anyone wants shit decisions. I think you've just got to try and make sure that it doesn't permeate every part of the game. 
Because I think where it is currently restricted to uh, makes a lot of sense. What you don't want it to extend to is when someone does a bad challenge and then that gets in by the halfway line and then that gets called back by VAR mm. to say it's a red card. Because that's not going to happen. It's only uh, goal goal side events, isn't it? So what you don't want is the whole game being stop, start, stop, start. And, you know, you still want to be... You know the classic three pm kickoff finishes at ten to five in the UK, mm. and you don't want to be. You want to keep that. Yeah. You don't. You don't want that to be turning into five thirty because you've had, you know, fourteen incidences of VAR, <laughs> and every team has got two <clears throat> claims and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But so, you know, I think that's really interesting, and I think w- one thing that you can ask, you can actually do is take it into like almost a different direction. Who was the ref who judged? Um, Tottenham's collapse. Uh, Clamberg. Yeah. Mm. He said that he had had a philosophy thought out before that game that he was going to let Tottenham self-destruct. Uh, and <laughs> that he had, had gone into the game knowing exactly what scenarios and in, in how he um, refereed that game, what the outcomes would be and what the blame would be on him. And he had a strategy and he was just like, I'm actually I'm going to stay away and I'm just going to let them uh, let them self destruct and and I thought that was fascinating and it was actually amazing to hear. Is that good refereeing? <laughs> Do you think that's good refereeing? Like well, in your opinion, should you as a ref, ref be able to? I think a good ref needs to understand context, mm. needs to understand what's a derby, what's not a derby, needs to understand if like one of the players is is known for breaking legs etc and needs to communicate with players on the pitch like calm down don't do that or like i'm watching you whatever so like it's impossible to do non-contextual refereeing Mm. but we pretend like they are themselves var Uh, so i think we should just bring them in more like a 12th player and like what what annoys me is when people blame losing a game on the ref because like how could you plan a game without knowing that it's Mike Dean refing it? Like, if you know you have Mike Dean uh, as your ref, like, plan for it. Mm, yeah. Like, you've play, you played under him before. Yeah, I, I, I think to build on that point, um, familiarity of refs in the Premier League is a problem. I, th- I don't understand how, with all the shit that EU law puts on countries, the... <laughs> the English can say only English referees, especially like in a country as um, it's like the only place where, where, Brand, where Brexit was actually already. It was already there. <laughs> yeah. the referees are going to be fine. <laughs> I, I think one um, one other interesting point um, before we move off this subject. Um, Rafa Honigstein uh, posted a kicker article that said uh, in Germany, forty seven percent of players uh, believe it should be abolished, and only forty two percent believe that it should carry on. The rest didn't know. Mike Dean? What, what should it be abolished? Mike uh, Dean? Uh, v, no, VA, VA, <laughs> yeah, VAR should VAR. be uh. abolished. And my, my, my concern is if the Germans can't get VAR, right? Oh, I mean, we're, yeah. like the, the English. Yeah. We can't, you know, we're, we're, we're fucked. One comment on managing the refs. Has anyone else noticed, and I loved it, I love Jack Wilshire, but have you noticed that any time a ref is making a decision, like literally two yards from the ref is like Jack Wilshire, like literally going, fucking hell. <laughs> fucking terrible decision. And you just, I mean, I love him. Yeah. But if you're a ref, you just feel like, you'd just be desperate to book him, yeah. wouldn't you? Like, like I'm he, really fucking tired of this guy. <laughs> that, that was a bit of good news today. Jack Wilshire, firstly, I, I thought was 
really good today. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great he, few weeks, He actually. had another bit yeah. of bad luck. It's like only fucking Jack Wilshire can put his foot in the exact position where someone can <laughs> slam a shot and the ball <laughs> ricochets off his ankle and does his ligaments in. Only Jack Wilshire. It's <laughs> him every single time. He all, like, uh, uh, what percentage of his injuries are because he leaves his leg into in a tackle? Like He's always putting yeah. his leg in stupid actually, things. He, and, and the annoying thing is he comes back and he sort of looks like he's learnt not to do that. And then he starts playing well. Yeah. And then he just gets carried away. And put these he, but he loves it, doesn't he? Yeah. He loves he lo- it. He loves to actually get stuck in. Yeah. Like that's that's Jack. Oh, so that guy. Uh, moving on to uh, the, the next section um, about the game. And I'm going to be a bit inflammatory over oh. here. Oh, I'm going to put you? a question to all three of you. No. Yeah. If we, if we sold all of our forwards right now, every single one of them, would it matter? Alfred, you look... Would it, would it matter? Yes, because I'm, I'm quite literal. And, and yes, it wouldn't matter because we wouldn't have any forwards. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's an, like watching the game today, it was just like, what uh, What have we built? Uh, and, and what was the plan with that? Like, there was never any plan of like, like there's no philosophy, there's nothing. Uh, and these, I feel sorry for all of them in isolation. Like, I feel sorry for Wobi. I feel sorry for Welbeck. I feel most sorry for Welbeck because she's like, but because what, of, a lack, of he... a lack of service or a lack of talent. Like, a, oh, I'm sorry you're so shit. Or L- I'm sorry this is so shit. L- lack, of, lack of talent when it comes to Welbeck and when it comes to Wobi. Like I said, we now have a talent mm. and we are not using that talent. To keep uh, blaming him for, for, being, for not being Lukaku, for not being Benzema, for not being whatever, we know exactly what he's good at and we're not giving him the opportunity to do that. So I, I feel he's just being misplayed. Like we're playing, we're playing exactly the same system as we did with Giroud. We're, mm. we're pretending like he's Giroud. It's just like nothing has changed in the way that we build up play or the way that we that we service the forward. Mm. Matt, how would you uh, service these strikers, and would you keep them or would you sell them? It's like that classic Arsenal thing, isn't it? It's uh, it's always about the potential of what they could become, mm. and. Uh, and like Danny Welbeck seems to have it all, but there comes a point where he's seemed to have it all for like he's nearly been at Arsenal for yeah. like four years, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to have it all, is he? He's no. basically just going to be Danny Welbeck, which is an extremely likable young guy yeah. who has a lot of positive attributes, of which goal scoring is not one of them, and uh, and that's sort of Danny Welbeck. He's so likable. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I like Lacazette and Danny Welbeck. I'd let my sister marry them. They're so <laughs> they're such a nice couple of boys, and you really want them to be doing better than they are. But if like in the cold light of day, if both of those were Nicholas Bedner, <laughs> would, Curtis, if, if both of those two were Nicholas Bedner based on their performance this season, would you be keeping either of them come yeah. the summer? Would yeah. you call them Lord? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we could replace their name Lord, yes, we'd we'd go and keep them. Um, you know. My answer to the to the same thing is is like yeah, getting rid of all of them. No, uh, mathematically not a good idea. But but I will say this with Lacazette, it does seem that, and almost playing on your point where it, it there's always that like what are they what could they become with Lacazette? He he poaches and he looks for those spaces to get really really deep in in, in close into the goal. I don't think he's ever going to score one from from far or whatever. But he finds those spaces and he's trying to like. And he's always looking for that way to kind of tap one in. But I feel like over the, especially over the last few weeks, he's the, the confidence that he's lacking is, 
is incredible. And I think that everyone sees it. When he first came to the, the league and he scored a few goals in those first few matches, I felt like there was a, there was a bit of like a, all right, this dude's pretty serious. And, and he, he, he almost appeared a bit intimidating. But now I feel like everyone's just like kind of looking at him and knowing that if they kind of just puff up around him, maybe, and, and he looks scared. Yeah, and I think if Arsene Wenger subs you on the 65th minute, yeah. it means he fucking hates you. And if he subs you for a player that he's going to bin off to yeah. Manchester City for £20 million, he really, really hates you. Is it, I kind of feel like maybe, <laughs> maybe the Lacazette signing was the most expensive, I need to get the press off my back signings of is all he, time. Is he the new uh, 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 Lucas. Perez? Yeah. He's a Lucas mm. Perez. Yeah. But, but again, we were talking about the scouting system uh, at Arsenal. Everything that we won was based on power, pace, um, and you know, like physicality, like height, build, uh, and, and we've reverted back into like who thought that a, a striker that small, that slow, with that little power was going to dominate the the Premier League? Well, no, I think Lacazette's got pace. I think he's a good you finisher. Think? Yeah. I think he's slow. I, I don't think, think he's I think fast. He's, he's not. Think, I think he's got a lot of positive attributes. I think we're not playing to his strengths. I think his confidence has dipped in recent weeks. There's something weird going on with the way that Arsene Wenger always hauls him off. And now the expectation, I think, in his mind, is that he's only got 60 minutes. So it's not making him pay with any more urgency. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, he is and, in the game, though. And I, to your point, Curtis, um, he, he's, he's making himself busy. Mm. He's creating. Uh, and he's close. Yeah. He's forcing... He's, well, that again, lowering the barriers of expectations. He's forcing a lot of good saves. He's, yeah. not, <laughs> he's not terrible. This <laughs> never ends. But, but never you know ends. what? But 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 to that point, though, like he, he is. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but he is forcing a lot of good saves. <laughs> yeah. But but at least like you see the creative mind in him working, and and that's something that I haven't seen. Uh, you know, Giroud's not has never been an incredibly creative player. Um, you know, we I, I feel like we've not really had a creative striker since. I maybe disagree with maybe that. Maybe Van, Van Persie, yeah. I, wa- I watched some Van Persie highlights. My word. Like, that was incredible. I felt awful and dirty, and I didn't <laughs> want to enjoy it, but... Have you cleared your history? You, you, know, <laughs> you know what? Uh, when I look at... Um, like, Robin Van Persie is too glorious to look back on. Makes me makes me cry. <sighs> but I feel like Giroud, it, like... You, you you met a girl in your local town and you're dating and then you win the lottery and you're like, I want to date fucking strippers. And then like uh, <laughs> Lacazette comes in and after a few months, like Giroud's sitting there waving at you and you're like, this stripper's kind of shit. And you go back to him. How many strikers and <laughs> uh, new people come into the club as he's seen off? Every time we think that we've got rid of Giroud, he's right back in there. I mean, he's no, no. he's he's a gorgeous. He's nowhere near anywhere. I'm never putting that down. I'm just saying he, he didn't he doesn't have that creative spark that I see. And and I'm not saying I I love the guy and I I love I, think, I, I love him he, coming on. I don't know what he's just. I can just but, guarantee he's going to score with his head. Maybe when it doesn't matter as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for, for, me, he, for me, he's win. like the Godfather three. <laughs> I think that was an amazing film, right? I loved I, it. I like <laughs> I I've, I've seen it and I'm everyone sure says it was amazing, but like. I'm sure that was a good film. It was great. Well, on that note, um, we'll finish part one Mm. um, and then we'll come back for some more. So, welcome back to part two of the AO special. Um, We 
have something that we have to talk about today, which is not the Chelsea game. We're going to talk about some cock. The cock's off. Cock is off. Uh, Let's get into the cock. I didn't know how sad that was going to make me. And I, I wish I would have had the chance to like say goodbye it's it's kind of like when you realize someone went like to the airport or something from like when you were at summer camp and you didn't have the chance to say goodbye it was like you just never realized you needed cock so bad no i i know and it's just like i'm actually really sad how are you guys feeling i i wasn't sad i was like (laughs) yes i was like cockling's gone fantastic this is amazing this is the this is the next chapter and then i put out a tweet because i thought we were all gonna laugh at cockling going and i was like Tell me some of the best moments. And they were like, his passion when he scored. Oh, <laughs> his celebration in the FA Cup final. Uh, when he came back from Charlton and everybody thought he was going to get sold and he had a family of four to feed. And then Arsene Wenger put him in and he played like a hero <laughs> for 2015. And then like when he's got the most tackles and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to miss him. <laughs> I'm going to miss him. My favorite was Sean Padger Sheehan. Uh, it should have been a Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else do we have? Um, I've got a photo of here, me with the cock, if you want to see me me in a cock. Yes, okay. absolutely. Let's keep talking about Bring him. It on. Uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately he served a purpose to show that we, we do need a defensive midfielder, yeah. someone that can tackle. 2015, let's remember, uh, he had the most tackles Cox-Zola. and interceptions in the league. Um, the problem with that is that we didn't buy Kante, because we thought that Coquelin and Jacker mm. could do the job, and that's led us to a situation we are right now. Mm. Ultimately, not good enough, but he's gone to Valencia. He's gone to play under Marcelino, who's rejuvenated Gabriel, and I, I think it's Patrick Timmons. Oh, that's a nice picture. I love that we have uh, become Valencia's feeder club, whilst Liverpool has become Barcelona's he, feeder club. Yeah, I like um, Patrick. Uh, I think Patrick Timmons uh, made the point. He's like, uh, like I'm real, I'm real techers from Arsenal. Like Coquelin and Gabriel are going to be playing Champions League football for Valencia next season, <laughs> while we're hosting some second-rate yeah. like, uh, yeah. Scandinavian club. Hey, um, <laughs> okay, Curtis, what, what are your thoughts? Tell us what you thought, thought about um, Mustafi. Uh, not Mustafi. <laughs> Coquelin. I'm, I'm looking for the. You know, I, I liked him, but you know, I mean, it's it's kind of funny as we're going through all these conversations. <clears throat> You know, you, you had those certain weeks that you loved. I mean, that I absolutely, I said you loved. You did. You did. Yeah. Uh, that, that you loved having him in, the, in, you know, in there. And, and, and he played with some fire. But then you had those, those weeks that he was absolutely absent. And, and unfortunately, that's, that is kind of a lot of our squad. Um, <laughs> and, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm always sad to see our, our, our players go. Even when, even when they leave, like, like cunts. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I was I was sad when when Fabregas left. I was sad when when Van Persie left. Yeah, no, I was. <laughs> I think we were all sad when yeah. Fabregas left. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was so I'm glad to see the back whether, of Fabregas. <laughs> <laughs> that little rat. But, but whether they but whether they leave is like on on good terms or bad terms. I'm always sad to see them go. Um, but. Well, for the most part, unless they've been awful. Just I think we were we were into his passion. Way. Like a lot of the people sending me stuff, like he was great for the memes. Do you remember? <laughs> he when, was great. Do for you the remember memes. when he pulled his hamstring and like mid run, uh, he he dived like a dove. He dove like a salmon, and uh, they they had that uh, Game of Thrones meme where they chucked the spear at him. Yeah, it was that stunning. was that was fantastic. <laughs> um, but but sweet sweet super sweet, um, who I like. Um, it, he replied to your um, to your call for for a eulogy there 
And I think he makes a point, like how many players we now have left that we can throw on that we know will give 100%. Mm. Uh, and I think there is there's a point there, which is like, it, it was basically, Coughlin was the last person that we know that if you throw him on in the seventh minute, he will run till he dies. Yeah, but read yeah. that one from uh, he, he will one of our favorite Twitter accounts. He will potentially <laughs> run into another player. That's the problem. We t- tell them about that Twitter account that we get a lot of joy out of. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there is a, a troll called uh, <laughs> Soccer Ability, which likes a troll uh, wannabe, wannabe experts blah, blah, and, blah, and blah. tactical geniuses and self-appointed, um, you know, scouts for for various clubs. Uh, <laughs> and I've just been been handed this by Pete, so I, I don't know what it says. <laughs> but he claims to have met uh, Coquelin at a boulangerie in Laval <laughs> around 12 years ago. He bought a shoe bun and some duck pate, <laughs> then proceeded to get icing all over his tufts of goatee beard. I knew he'd never make it from then. <laughs> uh, what's that? So, what's that? Read the ha- handle again, just so people can check it out, because it is awesome trolling when it happens. <laughs> yes, uh, everyone's biggest dream should be to be trolled by soccer ability mm. on Twitter, uh, who usually has it out for, for one of our favorites, registability. We, uh, we, we yes. love a bit of registability. <laughs> yeah. Some very... Who seems to have always been there at one moment uh, and could spot talent from anywhere. So, yeah. am I, so am I the only person who's actually glad to see the back of Coquelin and mm. will not be shedding a tear? I think you are. I just think that, uh, especially after that amazing piece of business that... Uh, Spurs did when they sold Bentelev mm. for 18 million. Uh, I think that's the point. What the fuck? Like ten, he signed a deal like eight months ago, 10 and a half million for a Champions League quality player who only two years ago made the most assists. We, we sold him for 20, we sold him for 25 million, 22 million. Coughlin, I thought it was 10.8. No, it's 20, 12, 12 million. 12. Euros. It's really low. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's I really it bad 22. business. Maybe it, maybe there's like a Champions League win bonus in there of like ten million or something. Mm. It could happen. <laughs> in a, yeah, in but a, in I feel a... like we've we'd never get that bonus. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was the clause? Um, we sold someone. It, it was Vermaelen when we sold him to Barcelona, and apparently there was a clause. But because he had only played like I don't know two matches for that entire season. We got, we got nothing. In in a world of uh, like fifty percent inflation every year in the transfer market, Arsenal are the only team offering out deflationary rates. That's yeah. something special, right? There. But I th- as somebody pointed out, I think getting any money for him <laughs> felt, like, yeah. felt like good business. And I, I think it's less a flip flop um, of Arsene Wenger, like being like I don't like him. Probably more Sven and Raúl looking at him and going, "How the fuck." Is that guy <laughs> yeah. taking sixty five grand a week? Let's ship him out yeah. straight away. Move him on. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it does pose the question though: Are we going to sign somebody to replace him? Because to your point, Alfred, no. Like our bench was desperate at the weekend. Yeah. Um, no, we but, we got Maitland Niles right. I I mean it, it's it's fascinating. Whenever we choose to actually sell someone, it always like what? what why exactly that? We, person? We, we can't kill. Maitland Niles. Mm. We can't kill Danielson. Do you remember that? Oh my <laughs> God, yeah. I, I sold him on eBay, and um, uh, a newspaper wrote about me in Germany, calling me. A, basically, it was like a, a, it was. I think it was a broadsheet. Basically, you're a disgrace. <laughs> Some disgraceful fan. I had him. I think we got like fifteen thousand for him. Yeah, um, that was funny. Um, <laughs> Glenn Hudson says, um, "Any thoughts on Mares replacing Sanchez?" Oh. I th- you know that my only concern with Mares is we have a player with like kind of questionable attitude in Ozil, 
Yeah. Like if you put the the slight, don't really fancy it mindset of Özil with Amares, mm. but but he, and he's another player. He's started to come good in the last two months because he can smell a transfer. Yeah. Um, but what two seasons ago, incredible talent. Yeah. Like he he's tying with um with uh, Jamie Vardy mm-hmm. was was very special. I, I also think that like what Özil actually needs is is more like Sterling's and Sane's who can run in from behind mm-hmm. uh, and that he can pick out and and Mahrez is too much of an Özil in that sense yeah. that he he doesn't like he likes to stay outside of the box. So um if carrying on on the um the tone of uh, transfers uh, no Özil tonight. Um, we know that he's been ducking out of away games a lot. An apparent <laughs> knee injury before Chelsea. Do we believe that this is a knee injury or do we believe that Ozil is protecting his body just in case a Barcelona-looking club comes in and offers enough money to tempt him away this January? I've is he al- thinking about the move? I've always sort of felt that Ozil might stay and now that's sort of... And then, but, but the levels of his increased performances make me think that he's actually going to go. Someone was mentioning that Juventus are interested in him. Can you imagine how good he'd be in that Italian league? <laughs> With, you yeah, know, disgusting. Yeah, incredible. he'd absolutely dominate that. Yes. Why, why doesn't Bayern want him? Uh, I don't. The only thing I can think of is that if you, if they're playing a is pressing it, game, is that he doesn't try very hard. And, uh, yeah, and, and maybe um, like they're holding out for Nagelsmann this summer, yeah. and maybe they're waiting to see yeah. what he wants to do. But I don't, it, like, he's not a very modern. Like, he's not been modernized, has he? He's yeah. not like there aren't many. There's no Urzels in Europe. Now, no one, no one gets to play that free role at number 10. Hmm. Um, so, but, I mean, it, what, I, what I find is incredible is I remember we mm-hmm. were joking at the beginning of the season about Nozil and Benches, that <laughs> Ozil was a no-show and Sanchez was on the bench. And now we're back to it six months later. Like, absolute no change. Mm. It, it's been... That, I think, is going to be, looking back at it, one of the weirdest periods of Wenger's career and like a, a big kind of part of of how he's ruining his his legacy like this just like this weird situation with these two players so, like play yourself so straw poll do we think that first of all let's do Ozil do we think that Ozil will be at Arsenal at the end of the January transfer window I say yeah I say yes because I, I hope it's I, I really really hope he stays yeah, I say yes more out of hope. And also I don't I don't know uh, there's there's no smoke around the transfer and um Barcelona have spent all their money. I don't know who'd sign him. I'd read I'd read some quote Maybe Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd read some quote literally about two weeks back where, where he was talking about just enjoying life in London and that he enjoyed playing for Arsenal. So I don't know, I mean it could have been absolute lies. Yeah, I think I, I But he, he was the th- one not in the match day squad today. He want, and he wants, but he wants three hundred and fifty grand a week, and he's not going to get that at any other no, club. No. When Kevin De Bruyne is getting two hundred grand a week, yeah, he ain't getting that. Um, so the other one is Sanchez going to be gone by the end of January? Yeah, yeah, no I doubt. hope so. I, I reckon so. so. I um, okay. And do you want him to be gone? Well, I, I wouldn't say like I don't want him to be gone. I don't necessarily want to lose out. Well, I look at it like this: we sold, we sold the league. Uh, when we sold Van Persie, we, we made 20 something million on Van Persie and yeah. he essentially won United the league. What I'd be worried about is if we made 20, well, not that it's going to make that. the league's one. Yeah. That's yeah. the good thing the, this year. Yeah. Just adding to but, the points. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's a good point, but like, I don't know, like 20 mil. Uh, yeah. I guess he can't make a whole lot of difference between now and, and May. Okay. Um, next question. 
if we lose either one of those, can we finish in the top four? <laughs> no, we're not with them. Yeah, I don't. Think I don't think we are with them. Yeah, no, no. Curtis, oh, it's pensive. Oh. What is he going to say? I, in the beard. I, I just want to be the. Uh, I just want to be the the voice of Trarian. conflict here. Yeah, and fuck it, let's have it. Okay, bold. Really, I know it sounds like absolute shit, but somebody has to. Somebody has to. Pull. I think the, the challenge is we've always deep down thought we were going to make like however like we've been in some terrible situations and we've always found a way to get fourth and and like it was just like it does even if we're like twelve points adrift yeah. of fourth now until last year you were like it's just what we do yeah and then last year we didn't do it yeah. and suddenly it's like uh, it's like it, it's like the confidence is gone yeah. in, in that guarantee of getting fourth and you look up you look around and suddenly you've got. You know, you've got. You know, you're not going to catch Manchester City. You know, you're not going to yeah. finish over Manchester City or Chelsea. And then you're like, and we're probably not going to finish above Liverpool or Spurs or Manchester United. They're, they're all three teams that you think are going to finish above us. But mm-hmm. I feel. But I feel like the the last three that you just said: Liverpool, um, um, uh, Spurs, Liverpool, Spurs, and um, you didn't say Manchester. You know, you know, even Chelsea. I feel like Chelsea over the last few weeks have, have been slipping up a bit, and yeah. I feel like there's there is opportunities for us to 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 gain ground back. At this point, I could change that opinion. Okay, so that 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 brings to an end the first ever Facebook Live Arsenal opinion. Bosh. Um, the first time that we've ever had somebody from uh, an Arsenal supporters club in New York. So uh, thank you very much for joining the show. You've been absolutely fantastic, Curtis. Thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you very much. So on that note, we'll look forward to the AFC Bournemouth game coming up. Um, Mm. Thank you to everybody listening on the Facebook Live. Um, We're going to make this a bit more of a regular thing. Uh, And with that, uh, I will say goodbye. Thank you, Alfred. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you. Ciao for now. the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock Original Bel-Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson in theaters and streaming only on Peacock Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page... We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.